0: Welcome back to episode two of the NFL Retweet Podcast. Is that what we're calling this NFL retweet or should I just be going with NFL RT podcast whatever it is today we've got my first mock draft of 2020 the first mock draft with only players that have actually declared for the NFL draft my first mock draft with the actual order of the NFL draft I'm pretty excited for this one I hope you guys are too this is going to be kind of long so let's get right into it at pick number one we have the Cincinnati Bengals taking Joe Burrow the Bengals taking Joe Burrow is pretty much a lot I mentioned it in a previous mock that I might toy with the idea of making Chase Young the pick here just to see how the rest of the draft would play out but after the national championship game and that playoff run that really just seems like a great waste of time. Midway through the season I did have my doubts on Joe Burrow being the top option at quarterback in this draft. I felt like he really hadn't been challenged enough and those one year wonders at quarterback really scare me but the adversity from Brent Venable's Clemson defense in the national championship was kind of the last box that I needed to check for Joe Burrow. I wanted to see how he responded when things weren't going well or that it looked like LSU might actually be matched in talent on the field. After taking A big hit that looked like he might have a broken rib or two. Burrow looked like he was struggling to deal with it a bit. He was no longer Joe Cool and was kind of Joe Dick to anybody that came up to check on him. His body language was like Jay Cutler, but he stayed at it and steadily took over that game. This guy's everything that you want in a quarterback, and I actually love that he was able to adjust his demeanor so everybody knew, hey, no, this is serious. Lock in and win this game. I saw a Daniel Jones comparison, and while I get the physical comparison, this is Daniel Jones with the confidence of Drew Brees. And then one more thing this pick here being a lock. Adam Schefter, you know, he's a busy man this time of year, and he's also a pretty reliable source. This comment from him makes me feel like he's got a pretty reliable source within the Bengals that should eliminate any speculation from who's going with pick number one. At number two, the Washington Redskins selecting Chase Young is also kind of a lock. Now, I loved the hire of Ron Rivera, and Jack Del Rio was a great choice to run the defense. I think Del Rio is going to move this unit to a 4-3, and that means the defensive line is going to have Montez Sweat in the edge, and an interior defensive line rotation of Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Matt Ionidas. John Allen could even sub in for Montez Sweat or play opposite him at defensive end in some obvious running plays. But to me, it seems very obvious that the possible number one overall player in this draft will go number two because adding Chase Young opposite of Montez Sweat, I mean, this defensive line would be able to go toe-to-toe with any offensive line in the league, especially the Cowboys and Eagles, which is what they're built to do already. Redskins' current edge rusher, Ryan Kerrigan, could walk in free agency, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him in a 4-3 as kind of a bridging the gap player if they can get him cheap for a couple years but this redskins defense has got a bright future out of them either way at number three we've got the detroit lions the lions pick in my last mock was pretty controversial i mean lions fans were hot about it understandable considering the last time the lions picked third overall was in 2002 they took another oregon quarterback joey harrington he went 18 and 37 as a starter in his four seasons with detroit and while i get that the coaching staff needs to win in 2020 or else but that doesn't mean you waste an opportunity in the draft to secure a decade of quarterbacks stability and if the front office of the lions is smart they'll play up the possibilities of drafting a quarterback which sounds like they've already done or at least started to do and most notably show interest in Tua Tunga lavoa they need to pretend like they've got offers on the table so that they can trade down and collect picks after losing stafford this team crumbled to a barely competitive level so they need as much draft stock as possible so they can acquire a little bit more depth the dolphins are the best option to talk into a trade down because the fall wouldn't be far and they have extra first rounders this year that based on the trade value chart it's probably going to cost about that much to move up just these two spots. So here we have my first trade my only trade of this draft and I'm sure that this will still get criticized but I think the Lions fans have just been losing for so long that they don't even know what's best for them anymore. So for this mock I'm doing one trade scenario since it's so early. The Dolphins trade number five and number 18 to the Detroit Lions in exchange for the third overall pick which they used to select Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. I've been hesitant to give the Dolphins Tua with this early pick with them just staying at number five in fact because at the time, Tua hadn't even declared officially for the draft yet, but now that he's officially declared, it feels like he must have gotten word from the NFL Draft Advisory Board that he's still expected to go high in the draft, otherwise it'd be hard not to go back to Alabama with the guys that they've got coming back. If the Dolphins want him that bad, they might actually have to go and get him. Luckily for them, they've got plenty of ammunition acquired in their 2019 fire sale, but the Lions and Giants will both be auctioning off picks for other teams to come up and get him if he's still on the board. It's not quite as much of a hustle as the 49ers pulled on the Bears with that Mitch Trubisky trade. while having to give up number 18 might seem steep. If it locks you up at number three to get the quarterback that you want, it'll be totally worth it in the end. And there's a chance that the Lions would settle for pick number 26 instead of 18. But honestly, if another team is offering a future first rounder to get up in front of the Dolphins, the Lions would probably take that trade because the odds of it being higher than 26 or 18 is definitely in their favor. And what do the Dolphins need all these first round picks for? Of the last eight first round picks that they've had, only three are still in the roster. So go for quality over quantity here. At pick number four, the New York Giants are on the clock and they've got to be hoping that Tua falls into their lap because that Daniel Jones guy sucks. Just kidding. You guys know I'm not that kind of irresponsible mock -er drafter. No, the Giants would hope for Tua to fall to them because like I mentioned, the Dolphins are at five and such an obvious floor for him to fall and the price could be auctioned to the highest Chargers or Panthers. I mean bitter. The Giants could afford to trade down at least a few spots and still get one of the top offensive tackles available. I have the Giants selecting Andrew Thomas out of Georgia here at number four and he might not be available if they actually did trade down. The biggest issue with the Giants trading down with such a needed offensive tackle is that we saw what happened the last time the Giants reached on an offensive tackle with Eric Flowers. So I've got them staying put here, but maybe in my next mock, I'll play that scenario out and just see what happens. At pick number five, we now have the Detroit Lions on the clock after trading down with the Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins, they sent the Lions number 18 in exchange for the Lions moving down two spots, allowing the Lions to have their cake and eat it too. By still getting their guys, they would have taken at number three anyways. Ohio State cornerback, Jeffrey is the clear-cut number one cornerback and would give this Lions defense someone to rival the level of play from Darius Slay whether he's back in 2020 or not. It's interesting though it seems like the same Lions fans saying that the coaching staff is in win now mode but yet talking about shipping out Darius Slay in the same offseason which doesn't make sense but but this poor Lions fan base is just not very familiar with the moves that a smart front office makes. At number six the Los Angeles Chargers are on the clock. This marks only the third time since 2004 that the Chargers have picked in the top 10. The other two picks had a defensive end Joey. Bosa at number three overall, and wide receiver Mike Williams at number seven. They need to land another franchise building block here because it could shape the direction of the franchise for a decade, or they could be back in the top 10 once again next year. Now, until he re-signs with the Patriots, Tom Brady Chargers rumors are going to fester. Seeing Tom Brady in a Chargers uniform would absolutely blow my mind, and while the traditionalist part of me would rather see Brady only ever wear a Patriots uniform, I am intrigued by seeing him surrounded by the surplus of offensive talent on this Chargers roster with a defense to complement it. If Brady plays with chargers this pick needs to be offensive line because that's been the chargers achilles heel with philip rivers under center assuming that the tom brady thing is just an offseason rumor i love the idea of the chargers selecting justin herbert at number six overall and keeping him on the west coast it just feels right i think that i like justin herbert more than most though he's no trevor lawrence but he's like a poor man's trevor lawrence the physical skills and body compositions are similar but it's the processing and mental side of herbert's game where he's really lacking it sounds like justin herbert looks really great at senior bowl practices which to me is going to solidify him as a top 10 pick, whether it be by a team already slotted here in the top 10 or a team trading up. But the Chargers need to make the most of this pick, and whether or not they want to go with Tyrod Taylor for a year at quarterback or not, selling interest in Justin Herbert is the way to go so they can hold the key to him for a possible trade. With pick number 7, the Carolina Panthers are now on the clock, and with their past three top 10 picks, they have selected Christian McCaffrey, Luke Keekly, and Cam Newton. That's probably three of the most popular players on the team, or was the top three, and now a plan needs to be constructed for life after two of these guys this offseason. I'm all about getting yourself a top quarterback when you're picking this high in the draft. Otherwise, you might just find yourself picking this high once again, but new offensive coordinator Joe Brady saw firsthand how Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons can wreck an offensive game plan from his performance in the national championship. The Panthers' defense has gotten identity crisis in their hands right now, but Simmons could allow the defense to play chess instead of checkers because he is a bonafide queen piece lining up all over the defense, making an impact from linebacker, defensive end, safety, corner. Not often does a linebacker deserve to go in the top 10, but Isaiah Simmons is definitely that guy because an offense is gonna need to know where he is at on the field before the snap every single play. Now the Panthers, they could be the team that throws all caution to the wind and screws up every mock draft out there if they choose to be aggressive and get a quarterback in the first round. Like I said, with them picking at number seven, it might not ever be easier to move up than it is right now. At least that's what you would hope for when you're trading up for a franchise quarterback. Pick number eight, the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. Whether it's wide receiver or offensive line, help for their 2019 number one overall pick Kyler Murray probably will be the priority for the Cardinals in the first round. I think I've had them going wide receiver in most of my mock drafts thus far, but the cards are in their favor to get one of the big three at offensive line this year, especially Alabama offensive lineman Jedrick Wills. If he's on the board, then I think that they need to prioritize help up front over a skill position, even if the top two wide receivers just fall into their lap. After the offensive line big three in this draft, the drop-off is kind of significant, and the cupboard is pretty bare for the Cardinals there, while they still have Larry Legend coming back for yet another season season, and a ton of young wide receiver prospects that could continue to develop and hopefully take another step forward in 2020. At number 9, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, and this pick will be their 18th in the top 10 since the franchise came to existence in 1995, which is the most of any team during that time. I've had the Jaguars sticking with Isaiah Simmons for the past two drafts, and with him no longer on the board here, I'm switching it up for the Jaguars since we don't really have any clues regarding the direction that they could be heading just yet. However, we do know that they are kind of stuck at the quarterback position because of the salary cap, and Nick Foles' contract handicapping them. So they've got to get Gardner Minshew set up for success, or Foles. One of these two has got to rise to the top, right? Offensive line is a good place to start, but this is a D-class, and I don't actually think that their offensive line is that bad, and it's interior offensive line that they need the most help at. So it's at least not requiring they spend a top 10 pick on it. Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are always going to have their careers compared to one another, and in the right systems, both of these guys could be number one wide receivers. Which receiver is viewed as the superior prospect will be one of the great pre-draft debates i think that cd lamb might complement dj chark the best but to me jerry judy is the superior or at least the safer of the prospects between these top two i love the idea of just surrounding these quarterbacks with talent but i'm afraid that it might end up being the coaching that needs the most upgrade at number 10 the cleveland browns are on the clock and they must protect baker mayfield better than they did in 2019 they haven't taken an offensive tackle in the first round since selecting joe thomas third overall in 2007 there's a high possibility that one of the big three offensive linemen won't be there at 10 luckily in scenario, Iowa offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs is still on the board. If new head coach Kevin Stefanski has one guy in mind and if Andrew Barry, their new GM, signs off on it analytically then the Browns, they could move up for him and make sure that they stay in front of the Jets. But looking back at the Vikings offensive line and the type of guys that they drafted and signed in free agency, I'm not sure if Tristan Wirfs actually fits that mold and teams aren't breaking down any doors trying to trade up for offensive linemen these days. To me a trade down makes the most sense and will be a likely route in my next mock draft for the Browns. At pick number 11 we have the New York Jets they haven't spent a first round pick on an offensive player who wasn't a quarterback since selecting tight end Dustin Keller at number 30 overall in 2008 they also have not spent a first round pick on an offensive tackle since three-time Pro Bowler Debrickashaw Ferguson in 2006 this might be a good year to reverse some of those trends but with quite a few offensive tackle needy teams in front of them they might find themselves scrambling if they don't address the offensive line prior to the draft in this scenario I still have them going offense but if you can't get offensive line help get a wide receiver that takes some pressure off the offensive line by simultaneously helping Sam Darnold get the ball out of his hand quicker with a guy like CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb excels when you get him the ball quickly in space and just let him make magic happen after the catch. At number 12 we have the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders don't have a second round pick this year but they have two first rounders and three third rounders. They re-signed cornerback Nevin Lawson which doesn't mean that they still couldn't use one of these first rounders on a corner but it frees them up to take the best player available. I actually don't see Derek Brown lasting this long but this seems like a solid floor for him if the run on offensive tackles pushes the defensive tackles down the board a little bit. At number 13, the Colts are on the board. and This is another prime spot for one of the talented wide receivers in this draft class. The Colts wideouts struggled mightily to stay healthy in 2019, so I don't feel like Jacoby Brissett got a fair shot in his first full year of starting at quarterback. However, Frank Reich is a big believer of drafting within the trenches, and I think that a run of defensive linemen is going to start in the early teens. Javon Kinlaw is the perfect defensive tackle for the Colts 4-3, and they don't really have a real defensive tackle on the roster. Their defensive line is made up of converted defensive ends, and that is a liability for them in the running game, which also puts a lot more pressure on their linebackers, but don't rule out a quarterback. Quarterback for the Colts. To me, this is the Jordan Love ceiling right now. I'm a big fan of the tools that he brings to the table, and this would be a great place for him with Jacoby Brissett there and under contract for a couple more seasons. It wouldn't force Love into a starting role too soon, and from the coaching to the offensive line, this is about as good of an offensive situation for a young quarterback to fall in as there is out there. From luck to Love, it seems appropriate, but for the Colts right now, Javon Kinlaw is a solid placeholder until we have a little bit more of a clear understanding where these teams might go in the draft. At number 14, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this isn't considered a deep draft for offense lineman, which is the Bucks' primary need. This 14th pick could instead provide help for one of the NFL's most improved defenses, and they don't want to see a production drop similar to the one that the Rams did if and when Ndamukong Su leaves. So they need to have the necessary prospects in place to replace him along the interior of the defensive line. AJ Epinesa is a classic tweener, and that's the only reason that he falls this far. The Buccaneers probably would have preferred to have one of the defensive tackles or an offensive line fall to them here, but Epinesa is a good consolation prize to help free up Shaq Barrett and these other edge rushers. At number 15, the Denver Broncos have unearthed some solid offensive prospects in the past two drafts, such as wide receiver Cortland Sutton, running back Royce Freeman, tight end Noah Fant, offensive tackle Dalton Reisner. They could opt for another playmaker or look for a replacement at cornerback for Chris Harris Jr., who is a free agent in 2020. The cornerback depth is basically untouched so far in this draft, so the Broncos could have their pick of the realistic options that will be there at 15. I went with Trayvon Diggs to combat the big wide receivers in their division. He's got the NFL bloodlines, and he reminds me of Aqib Talib a little bit. We'll have to see how fast he runs at combine but a good day there could lock him in as the number two cornerback on the board at pick number 16 the atlanta falcons are now on the clock the falcons have used their past three first round picks including two in last april's draft on offense they had one of the nfl's worst defenses in 2019 so they could address cornerback or the defensive line here yatira Gross Matos fits the raw athletic mode that dan quinn has been trying to find and with vic beasley basically out the door they're going to need another guy to pair with tack mckinley on passing downs i've actually really liked the pairing of aj epinesa here and could actually be a solid base defensive fit in this 4-3 scheme opposite of McKinley so if he falls to them I'd love to see that marriage happen but I don't see it happening at 16 however the Falcons are notoriously aggressive when there's a guy that they want and after the last few years with this front office and coaching staff on their last legs I expect them to trade up aggressively this year at pick number 17 we have the Dallas Cowboys the contracts of the Cowboys entire cornerback depth chart expires within the next calendar season or 14 months or so so that's gonna be a popular mock draft pick for them here I love Christian Fulton and would welcome him here but Morris Claiborne probably still leaves a bad taste in Jerry Jones's mouth. Mike Nolan is the Cowboys' new defensive coordinator, and he's got a 3-4 background, but it looks like they might still be running mostly 4-3 in his first season with the team. And while I bring up the cornerbacks, the pass rush is an underrated need for them. Robert Quinn was so good for the Cowboys in 2019, but 3-4 defenses seem to haunt this poor guy throughout his career. He's been pushed out of three teams by now by a new scheme, and will probably go on his fourth team in 2020, with Quinn leaving a hole across from Demarcus Lawrence. I really like another LSU defender here to plug in. Clavon Chason is a much Smaller edge rusher than Demarcus Lawrence, and would help ease the three-four transition for them down the road, while offering more ability to disguise coverage with his ability to play in space. The coaching staff is looking to get some of their guys, and the leadership from Chase on would be a good building block for them as they install their own culture here. And at pick number 18, remember this one was traded from the Dolphins to the Lions to move up for Tua Tunga Livoa, and I have the Lions selecting Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray here. With this pick, the Lions can take a luxury pick on Kenneth Murray, who probably wouldn't have fallen to the Lions in the second round, but as a bonus, they can feel comfortable using it on a position that has plagued this team for a long time. At pick number 19, the Las Vegas Raiders are back on the clock and I'm probably basing my expectations for the moves that the Raiders will make too much on Gruden and his time in Tampa Bay. And what I'm getting at by that is that his patience with quarterbacks and production wears thin. So the fact that he's made it as long with Derek Carr and not had the production that he is probably expecting to this point means that there could be a new quarterback playing for the Raiders this year. And that new quarterback is going to need some more weapons to throw to. Henry Ruggs has the game-breaking speed of a Joey Galloway and we give them another dimension to add to their offense John Gruden's gonna stake everything on the next quarterback that he starts for the Raiders as they begin their journey in the Vegas desert and I know that I've said I expect the Bucks to re-sign him and maybe Bruce Arians was trying to play a little bit of contractual hardball with Jameis with his comments about winning with any quarterback if we can win with this guy but if the Bucks don't bring him back I'm actually thinking that Jameis Winston is a possibility for the Raiders at pick number 20 we have the Jacksonville Jaguars they acquired this pick from the Rams in the Jalen Ramsey trade and it's entirely possible that they could turn around and use it on a cornerback again. Linebacker also seems like a strong possibility, especially if they follow the scenario here and make the luxury pick of Jerry Judy at number nine. But grabbing Christian Fulton at 20 would give them the best wide receiver and the second or third best cornerback in the draft. That's about as ideal of a scenario for them as I can imagine. And just picture how epic the one-on-one training camp battles between these two would be. With pick number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. And it's a good thing for the Eagles that there is a deep and talented receiver class this year. They didn't have a wide outreach 500 receiving yards for the first time since 19. Carson Wentz needs some healthy wide receivers and preferably ones that aren't challenging him as a leader like Alshon Jeffrey. Did you notice how much Wentz improved once Alshon was out for the season? Their whole season flipped around. Colorado wide receiver Lavishka Chennault is a quarterback friendly weapon as a big slot wide receiver that excels in getting yards after the catch. This will allow Wentz to get the ball out quickly, which means the fewer hits he's gonna take and the more likely that he stays healthy long enough to play an entire playoff game. The Bills are at pick number 22. And the past three times the Bills took a wide receiver in the first round. That guy delivered at least one 1,000 yard season. Trivia time, can you name them all? Alright, so Sammy Watkins, that's an easy one. Lee Evans, I really liked him and that poor guy fell off completely from injuries despite being able to produce through poor quarterback play, but sadly is probably most well known for that playoff drop in New England that would have sent the Ravens to the Super Bowl and then Billy Cundiff missed the field goal right after that. And then the third guy is Eric Moulds. He's the one that you probably would have had to Google because that goes all the way back to 1996. Anyways, the Bills got a a free agency steal in John Brown and Cole Beasley He's gonna be a solid slot for a couple more years But they need an alpha a number one wide receiver and they might really want to trade up to get in front of the Eagles If there's one guy in particular that they fall in love with to me though The alpha the best fits what they need right now is T Higgins T Higgins is that dude and Josh Allen needs more wide receivers Like him with this big catch radius that he can just launch the ball up to I don't know what happened to Robert Foster But pretty much at this point anything you get from him moving forward is just icing on the cake but yeah, baby AJ green T Higgins this is a match that just seems to keep happening each time I do a mock draft at pick number 23 we have the New England Patriots who knows what's gonna happen with Tom Brady I assume that he's gonna come back for one more season but I'm sure one of his stipulations is that he needs the front office to make more of an effort to improve this offensive line especially now that their legendary offensive line coach has retired the O-line really struggled last season they don't have a second round pick but could have as many as three third round picks with compensatory picks I think that Louisville offensive tackle Mackie Becton has got that Marcus Cannon size and hopefully works out out better as an offensive tackle than Cannon did but they just don't make guys this big so when they come around you got to jump on them. Mackie Becton has already been a really fast riser I think through this process and could actually see himself climb all the way up into the top 20 when it's all said and done. At pick number 24 we have the New Orleans Saints. The Saints also don't have a second round pick so this will be of the utmost importance for them to nail. After Michael Thomas the Saints receiving depth chart is barren. Justin Jefferson from LSU was a fringe first round pick a month ago but after the playoff performances that we saw from both of these Louisiana teams really it's pretty clear that they both need each other. At pick number 25 we have the Minnesota Vikings. They need to figure out what they're going to do with cornerback Xavier Rhodes. Can they continue to pay him as much as he's getting hoping that he just bounces back or is he just washed at this point? They've also got free agency looming for Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander and they just like drafting cornerbacks. They've taken four in the first or second round since 2013. Now Clemson's cornerback AJ Terrell did not have a great national championship game but his career does paint him as a potential first round cornerback and he's got that length that you want from a number one corner. At number 20 26 we've got the miami dolphins back on the clock they had to move up to secure their franchise quarterback so now they need to protect that investment right up the middle of their offensive line tyler biadish from wisconsin is the best center in the draft and the dolphins have a better chance at filling in their offensive line with free agent offensive tackles and guards teams don't typically let the blue chip centers walk in free agency at pick number 27 we have the seattle seahawks now free agency is expected to hit hard in the trenches in seattle and they used the number 29 pick last year on defensive end lj collier but he didn't even have a sack as a rookie. Now, I don't think that you can give up on him just yet, and there's a chance that they bring in some of these guys whose deals are expiring. I don't know if they'll be able to afford Devin Clowney, or if having him in the building after a year, they really want to pay him long term. They could go offensive line here, but I'm looking at the other side of the ball because cornerback Trey Flowers didn't have the breakout season that I projected, and they might need to add another Stanford cornerback like Paulson Adebo if they're going to stop elite wide receivers in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure that Devontae Adams is still running on their secondary as we speak, but maybe a move back to safety, which was Trey Flowers' original position will help them get better production out of him. At number 28, we have the Baltimore Ravens. If you are basing everything about their offseason needs on the Ravens playoff game, then they need wide receivers more than anything, right? But you can't expect a rookie wide receiver to lead you to the promised land. We literally just watched that movie play out with them. The Ravens need Hollywood Brown to progress in year two and add some more reliable targets in free agency. I honestly think that if the Bengals franchise tag AJ Green, it's only so that he won't go to a team like the Ravens and make them pay for holding him hostage for a decade but no I'm looking at defense for the Ravens they didn't get much of a pass rush in 2019 ranking in the bottom half of the league and they haven't drafted an edge rusher in the first round since Terrell Suggs in 2003 and I think it's the pass rush that's really going to get this defense over the hump Alabama edge rusher Terrell Lewis fits their 3-4 scheme is a little bit raw but that's kind of a common theme for the top pass rushers in this draft not named Chase Young and he also keeps that Ozzie Newsome legacy alive but he is a traits guy and I actually think there's going to be quite a few busts among these edge rushers because everyone here is getting picked based off of traits over production. And when you're coming from an Alabama defense that's loaded with talent, I think sometimes it's easy to get lifted up a little bit by those around you. So we'll see if Terrell Lewis, or if he's actually got all the tools to bring it all together and be an effective pass rusher at the next level. At number 29, we have the Tennessee Titans. With star running back Derrick Henry due to hit free agency, the Titans could look to fill that running back hole here. It is a perfect spot to draft a running back because you get that fifth-year option, but man, it's gonna be demoralizing if the Titans finally get good and they let King Henry pick up and roll out like that, after getting a taste of the AFC Championship. I hate paying running backs a second contract, and to me, it's really no shocker that Derrick Henry really just turned it on for this contract year. I've been a really big fan of Derrick Henry's since coming out, but who really knows if you'll ever get a season out of him like this again. But you can't expect or predict players to get complacent, that relies on coaching. I think that Mike Ray will be able to keep him at a pretty productive level, maybe never as good as this season that we just saw, but still a really effective running back. So assuming that they bring him back, let's have the Titans continue to build on their strength, which is the defense last year's breakout edge rusher Harold Landry with Notre Dame's edge rusher Julian Aquara would give the Titans a vicious pass rush that can continue to get after the dynamic quarterbacks in the AFC. At pick number 30, the Green Bay Packers are on the clock and they haven't taken a skill position player in the first round since drafting Aaron Rodgers in 2005. That's really an indicator of just how good of a quarterback that he's been over his career. Peyton Manning is one of everyone's favorite quarterbacks of all time, right? But man, the Colts surrounded him with weapons. I swear, they took a first round skill position player every Every single year and then spent the rest of their picks all on defense and that was a really effective method so the fact that the Packers have never given Aaron Rodgers any first-round skill position players is pretty wild but if they're gonna squeeze out three to five more years out of him they're gonna need to reverse this trend and that's if they don't spend some money in free agency to get him another weapon TCU wide receiver Jalen Rieger would be a nice compliment to Devontae Adams as a vertical threat and really a deep threat is all of this offense seems to be missing at this point to really bring everything together for them and here we go pick number 31 San Francisco 49ers are on the clock. Don't get mad at me, 49ers fans. I'm just staying consistent here. This mock is taking place before the actual Super Bowl. So if I'm wrong on these final two picks, sue me. But the 49ers, they could be looking at another cornerback because Akella Witherspoon was a liability for them down the stretch. But this draft is pretty deep and they could start the wave of second tier offensive tackles here in a move that would be mostly for the future. Just down the road, USC offensive tackle Austin Jackson is a guy that has left tackle potential but could have the ability to kick inside for them if Joe Staley comes back. It might next mock with more trades i'll probably have the 49ers trading this pick because it's such a prime spot for teams to jump back into the first round to secure that fifth year option and the trade capital the teams give up for the contract capital is always a win for the team trading back and then finally at pick number 32 the kansas city chiefs are on the clock i mentioned earlier how i think that isaiah simmons was like a queen chess piece right you could move him all over the place the chiefs defense could really use a linebacker with that kind of speed and athleticism well guess what there's a surprise linebacker entry to this draft and his name is actually Patrick Queen from LSU. He might not be in the same class as Isaiah Simmons, but he'd add a much needed dimension to the Chiefs defense. I didn't anticipate him in this draft, but with half of the LSU Tigers team jumping ship, it made sense for him, especially considering how weak this linebacking class is. With an impressive combine, I could see him being a fast riser up draft boards and could even overtake Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. That's going to do it for me. Thank you guys so much for watching. My second mock of 2020 will come out in a couple of weeks and it will have two rounds with trades. Make sure you like and subscribe to this channel to get notified when the mock draft hits guys bear with me as we venture into this seemingly endless nfl offseason period but i think that if we do it together we can make it so that it doesn't feel quite as long remember you can always contact me on twitter you can hit me up in discord and join in there and we're going to be doing a lot of different discussions i might have like a weekly segment in there on the discord channel so that people know that hey on mondays you can show up and post your mock draft and a bunch of people will jump in and we'll all discuss mock drafts on mondays or something like that just something to get us through and ease out of the football season rather than dropping a cold turkey but yeah thanks again and i will see you all in the next video